This is episode 119, Teaching Families the Value of Work and Responsibility. Hi, this is Jocelyn with Striving to be Spiritual, a podcast for moms wanting to strengthen their spirituality. We use the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles to come closer to God and ultimately fulfill our divine calling of mothering and raising His children. Hello, how is everybody doing today? I am excited to be with you recording this podcast today. This was kind of a fun one for me to think about, and I'm excited to share with you what I have learned. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the point of light for your life from my last podcast episode, which was to set a goal that you can accomplish this summer, even if you take a few minutes each day to work on that goal. Set a feasible goal that you can work towards in developing your talents. So I hope you were able to set that goal. If not, it's not too late. It's not June yet, right? So you've still got some time to set your goal on something that you want to accomplish this summer. At the time of recording this podcast, I am about eight months pregnant, and I have been working on a pregnancy course. And finishing that and somehow figuring out how to... How I want to get it out to the world (laughs) is one of my goals for this summer. So there, now that I guess I've told you my goal, I have to really do it, right? (laughs) If it helps to have buddy support, please tell me your goal and I will support you in your developing your gifts and talents. No one in our Utah town knew where the Countess had come from. Her carefully precise English indicated that she was not native to America. From the size of her house and the staff, we knew that she must be wealthy. But she never entertained, and she made it clear that when she was at home, she was completely inaccessible. Only when she stepped outdoors did she become at all a public figure, and then chiefly to the small fry of the town who lived in awe of her. The Countess always carried a cane, not only for support, but as a means of chastising any youngsters she thought needed disciplining. And at one time or another, most of the kids in our neighborhood seemed to display that need. By running fast and staying alert, I had managed to keep out of her reach. But one day, when I was about thirteen, as I was shortcutting through her hedge, she got up close enough to wrap my head with her stick. Ouch! I yelled, jumping a couple of feet. Young man, I want to talk to you, she said. I was expecting a lecture on the evils of trespassing, but as she looked at me, half smiling, she seemed to change her mind. Don't you live in that greenhouse with the willow trees in the next block? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Good. I've lost my gardener. Be at my house Thursday morning at seven, and don't tell me you have something else to do. I've seen you slouching around on Thursdays. When the countess gave an order, it was carried out. I didn't dare not come on that next Thursday. I went over the whole lawn three times with a mower before she was satisfied. And then she had me down on all fours looking for weeds until my knees were as green as the grass. She finally called me up to the porch. Very well, young man. How much do you want for your day's work? I don't know. Fifty cents, maybe? Is that what you figure you're worth? Yes, um, about that. 
Very well. Here's the 50 cents you say you're worth, and here's a dollar and a half more that I've earned for you by pushing you. Now I'm going to tell you something about how you and I are going to work together. There are as many ways of mowing a lawn as there are people, and they may be worth anywhere from a penny to five dollars. Let's say that a three dollar job would be just what you have done today, except that you'd be something of a fool to spend that much time on a lawn. A $5 lawn is, well, it's impossible. Now then, each week I'm going to pay you according to your own evaluation of your work. I left with my $2, richer than I remembered being in my whole life, and determined I would get $4 out of her next week. But I failed to reach even the $3 mark. My will began to falter the second time around her yard. $2 again, eh? That kind of job puts you right on the edge of being dismissed, young man. Uh, yes, um, I'll do better next week. And somehow I did. The last time around the lawn I was exhausted, but I found I could spur myself on. In the exhilaration of that new feeling, I had no hesitation in asking the Countess for three dollars. Each Thursday for the next four or five weeks, I varied between a three and a three and a half dollar job. The more I became acquainted with her lawn, places where the ground was a little high or a little low, places where it needed to be clipped short or left long on the edges to make a more satisfying curve around the garden, the more I became aware of just what a $4 lawn would consist of. And each week I would resolve to do just that kind of job. But by the time I had made my $3 or $3.5 mark, I was too tired to remember even having had the ambition to go beyond that. You look like a good, consistent $3.50 man, she would say as she handed me the money. I guess so, I would say, too happy at the sight of the money to remember that I had shot for something higher. Well, don't feel too bad, she would comfort me. After all, there are only a handful of people in the world who could do a $4 job. And her words were a comfort at first. But then, without my noticing what was happening, her comfort became an irritant that made me resolve to do that $4 job, even if it killed me. In the fervor of my resolve, I could see myself experimenting on her lawn, with the countess leaning over me, handing me the $4 with a tear in her eye, begging my forgiveness for having thought I couldn't do it. It was in the middle of such a fervor one Thursday night when I was trying to forget the day's defeat and get some sleep that the truth hit me so hard that I sat upright, half choking in my excitement. It was the $5 job I had to do, not the $4 one. I had to do the job that no one could do because it was impossible. I was well acquainted with the difficulties ahead. I had the problem, for example, of doing something about the worm mounds in the lawn. The countess might not have even noticed them yet. They were so small. But in my bare feet, I knew about them, and I had to do something about them. And I could go on trimming the garden edges with shears. But I knew that a $5 lawn demanded that I line up each edge exactly with a yardstick and then trim it precisely with the edger. And there were other problems that only I and my bare feet knew about. I started the next Thursday by ironing out the worm mounds with a heavy roller, and after two hours of that, I was ready to give up for the day. 
nine o'clock in the morning and my will was already gone. It was only by accident that I discovered how to regain it. Sitting under a walnut tree for a few minutes after finishing the rolling, I fell asleep. When I woke up minutes later, the lawn looked so good and felt so good under my feet, I was anxious to get on with the job. I followed this secret for the rest of the day, dozing for a few minutes every hour to regain my perspective and replenish my strength. Between naps, I mowed four times, two times lengthwise, two times across, until the lawn looked like a green velvet checkered board. Then I dug around every tree, crumbling the big clods and smoothing the soil with my hands. Then finished with the edger, meticulously lining up each stroke so that the effect would be perfectly symmetrical. And I carefully trimmed the grass between the flagstones of the front walk. The shears were my fingers raw, but the walk never looked better. Finally, about 8 o'clock that evening, it was all completed. I was so proud I didn't even feel tired when I went up to her door. Well, what is it today? she asked. Five dollars, I said, trying for a little calm and sophistication. Five dollars? You mean four dollars, don't you? I told you that five-dollar lawn job isn't possible. Yes, it is. I just did it. Well, young man, the first five-dollar lawn in history certainly deserves some looking around. We walked around the lawn together in the light of the evening, and even I was quite overcome by the impossibility of what I had done. Young man, she said, putting her hand on my shoulder, what on earth made you do such a crazy, wonderful thing? I didn't know why, but even if I had, I could not have explained it in the excitement of hearing that I had done it. I think I know, she continued, how you felt when this idea first came to you of caring for a lawn that I told you was impossible. It made you very happy when it first came, then a little frightened. Am I right? She could see she was right by the startled look on my face. I know how you felt because the same thing happens to almost everyone. They feel this sudden burst in them of wanting to do something great. They feel a wonderful happiness. But then it passes because they have said, No, I can't do that. It's impossible. Whenever something in you says it's impossible, remember to take a careful look and see if it isn't really God asking you to grow an inch or a foot or a mile that you may come to a fuller life. Since that time, some 25 years ago, when I have felt myself at an end with nothing before me, suddenly with the appearance of that word, impossible, I have experienced the unexpected lift, the leap inside me, and known that only the possible way lay through the very middle of the impossible. I know that was a longer story than the ones I usually like to do, but it was so good. And it came from a man named Richard Thurman, called The Countess and the Impossible in the Reader's Digest in June of 1958, but I actually found it through um, an enzyme on the churchofjesuschrist.org, and I will link to that in the show notes. I have heard that story before, and it is such a good one that illustrates some of the value of work, but it illustrates the value of work and working very hard. All things are possible. And today, as we talk about teaching our children the value of work, 
know also that this value of work is valuable in putting some time towards our talents. As has been mentioned in this podcast, summer is around the corner. It's right on the hinges. It's so close. And while summer seems like a fun time to do just that, to have fun, to enjoy ourselves, summer is also a good time to teach work. And as was mentioned in the interview with Chantel, maybe even service. The best way to overcome boredom and disappointment is purposeful work that produces a positive result. Painting a fence, hoeing a garden, and digging a ditch are physical forms of work. Studying for school and caring for others can also be work. What are other kinds of works that you can think of? There is a variety of work, especially now that the weather's a little nicer and we can get outside. Some of these thoughts I have gathered and taken from the Latter-day Saint woman book um, A, and it's the chapter on teaching children the value of work and responsibility. That will also be linked in the show notes for you as well. It's important for children to learn good work habits and attitudes while they're young because these habits can stay with them as they grow later in their life, and it will make a difference between a productive, useful life or one that is idle and wasteful. Don't you feel a lot more accomplished when you're productive and useful than when you're kind of idle and wasteful with your time? President Spencer W. Kimball said, We believe in work for ourselves and for our children. We should train our children to work, and they should learn to share the responsibilities of the home and the yard. They should be given assignments to keep the house neat and cleaned, even though it may be humble. Children may be given assignments to take care of the garden. So what are some things that you could do this summer to help teach your children about work? We may wonder how to help children learn the joy of work and feel responsible towards the family. Each of our family situation is different, but children can learn to enjoy work and take responsibilities in many ways. One thing that we can teach our children is to pick up after themselves and to care for their clothes. I am still striving to teach my young children to do this, but they need these skills to help make our home a clean place and so that mom doesn't have to do all the work. Because when I end up doing the work for me and for everybody, it can be draining and very difficult and kind of take the joy out of your job. But if you have help, it really makes a difference. My children are fairly young. My oldest is only six, but they do have a few responsibilities. They have to unload the dishwasher each day, and I like to have a clean house in the evening. So I strive for before Daddy gets home, we clean the house. They clean up their toys, and they help clean up their bedroom. One thing that can help is to teach them of ways to enjoy the work. Teach them of games they can play as they sort laundry or put the dishes on the counter. Teach them to sing songs. You know, the Disney song, Whistle While You Work? Work is a lot more fun if you have a positive outlook on what you're doing and you strive to enjoy it. Maybe organize a family work project for this summer, something that you want everybody's help with. Maybe it can be a service project that you all can work together on. This might take extra work and a little bit more of being intentional, but 
it can help your children so much. I remember one summer my mom and dad planted a bunch of trees along a fence line. And there was no way to get water out to all of them but by taking a bucket. And they would have us take buckets to these faraway trees for a time. And they weren't really that far away, but as a child, they seemed very far away. And that was a hard project. But in doing that project, I was able to learn some of the value of work. And that really has blessed my life. Now, that's not the only thing my parents had me do that taught me work, but that was one of them. One thing that I also did growing up when I unloaded the dishwasher was when I put the forks and the utensils away, I pretended that they were money and that I was putting money in my bank. And that was always kind of fun for me to imagine. So there's lots of different ways to try and make this work enjoyable and happy. Another way is to retell stories about your own childhood or about ancestors as you work. Making working more fun makes it enjoyable. If it's kind of drudgery, the kids aren't going to want to do it. And quite frankly, we're not going to want to do it with them either. So strive to make it fun. Also realize it's okay to give them a break every now and then. You know what they say, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy or something like that. So it's okay to give them a day off and have some spontaneous fun free times. But don't let this summer go by without striving to intentionally teach your family to work. Are you going to get some whining? Yeah, probably. Are you going to get some complaining and pushback? Yeah, most likely. But as you strive to implement those ways to make it a little more enjoyable, doing it together, and doing your best to be consistent, it will help. I wind all the time watering those trees, and it's not till many years later that I feel the benefit from it. It may be many years before your own children thank you for the benefit of the value of work that you taught them. But hold on to that goal. Remember the big picture, and that will help in your endeavor in teaching your children to work. Also, remember that this doesn't have to be a great big giant project like watering trees along a distant fence line. It can be something as simple as learning how to clean the bathroom correctly, or doing their daily chores of making their bed. Whatever it is, whatever comes to your mind, strive to implement it. You got this, and I'm cheering you on. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode and for sharing it. I really appreciate it, and look forward to joining you in the next one. Until next time! This has been another episode of the Striving to be Spiritual podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and tell your friends. I hope you have a great day. Until next time.